Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the City of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. morning, whether you have brought one that's a physical one with pages, I want you to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's where we will be in our story this day. Um, If you have a phone or an app-based Bible, you can turn as well to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Before I jump in, I want to tell you about something. Because today, this very first Sunday of June, we are exactly three weeks, 21 days If I get my math correctly in the whole seven days a week, three weeks times each other, you get 21. 21 days from today, we as a church will be sending a crew up the mountains uh, to get ready to host 29 foster kids. So we've been telling you about this thing called Royal Family Kids Camp for a number of weeks and months. If you've been around Refuge for any amount of time, you know this is one of our passions, things that gets us really excited about the year because God has called us not just to this city and to this location, but also to figure out how is it that we can bless those in need. And the kids in the foster care system are some of the ones in the most need. And so we have an opportunity to bless them. And so you have already, some of you have said yes to going. Some of you have said yes to praying. You're going to have an opportunity to pray over our team in three weeks. But I want to invite you, if you haven't been, if you said, I don't know if I can give the week of camp. I don't know if I can do that. But I want to figure out if there's something that I can do. And today's the day that I want to tell you about what you can do. Because on the Wednesday of camp, so our, our team goes up three weeks from today on a Sunday, gets camp prepared. Kids arrive here at this location on that Monday. They'll be um, checked in. They'll, they're just going to get ready for camp. They're going to get new materials and new bags and sleeping bags and all kinds of stuff. And when they get up to camp, our team is going to be ready for them. And every single day, if you know what it's like to be around kids that are between the ages of 6 to 11, a highly scheduled day is beneficial to everybody. And so every single day has its own focus. And Wednesday is the day that we celebrate birthdays. Because on Wednesday of camp, um, there's going to be the moments for some of these kids that may never have had a birthday celebrated because they've been dropped around between house to house to house to house. And their story is, does anybody care about my birthday? And so in a group setting, we're going to have a group birthday party. But every birthday party would be incomplete without a gift. And so over here on the piano... Um, are a list of names of some of the kids going to camp that we've already heard from. So heard from their social workers or heard from their foster parents and said, here's the child that's going up to camp with you. Here's some of their likes and their interests. And I want to challenge you, if you are interested in saying yes to preparing a birthday gift, bag, etc., be generous. You can come up here and grab some information. A few of the kids, we are still receiving information from their families. So we even have just like little strips of paper that you'll be able to text Yuli, who was one of the ones who was singing up here. She's our child placement coordinator. She works with the foster families and the social workers and gets kids to camp, and she's finding more information out. So if you get one of those slips, you would just text her, and she will respond this week with a list of things that make sense for that kid. So my hope is that when you leave today, you would even venture up to the front, not for a big moment or anything, but just to come grab someone's name 
and make sure that if you grab that name, we would love to see those gifts back in the next two weeks so that we can get them ready and prepared for camp. So deal? All right, deal. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Okay, a little bit of Bible history. We are jumping into a book, which is more like a letter, if you will. Most of the New Testament is going to be in letter format. And we know this because it has very distinct letter qualities like salutations at the beginning and endings at the end. And Paul, who is writing this one, and Paul writes a lot of the New Testament, so many of the 27 books or letters in the New Testament are attributed to this man, Paul, because he was so committed after his life had been changed by Jesus to go all through the Roman known world at the time and start churches all over the place. And his letters that we have are his letters to communities that were beginning to have churches that would commit themselves to the name of Jesus Christ. You can imagine what that would have meant in the Roman Empire, that the Roman Empire was not all that much of a fan of any religion that detracted from them. And so this new burgeoning religion of Christianity was threatening to the empire. But Paul would go all the way around the New Testament world at the time and write his letters to encourage his people. Now, in our Bible, if you were to open up a Bible, you have one with pages or you have your app-based Bible, you notice that there's only two letters that are attributed to Paul as having been written to his friends in a city called Corinth. Now, Corinth is an actual city. You can go there to this day. You can visit the ruins. You can see what some of what Paul would have seen at that time a long, long time ago. But scholars have determined, based upon the writings in the New Testament, that actually Paul most likely wrote at least four letters to his friends in, in the city of Corinth. But we only have in our Bibles two. Now you're like, where are the other two at? I don't know. No one knows. They're missing. But there are references made in the other things that Paul writes about that we get a sense like there's most likely another letter. And one of the letters that I wish we had is the one that they call the angry letter. And you're like, ooh, I would love to get in on that one. Like, what did he really say when he wanted to pull back the curtain and just, like, let him have it? But every time he wrote to his friends, whether it's Corinth or in Ephesus or what have you, Paul was encouraging the people to, what does it look like to follow Jesus? If the story of the cross of Jesus is real, what does it mean to follow him? And so when we open up the scriptures, when we open up what Paul is doing, we got to peer into what is it that he was hoping to accomplish with his friends in those cities. And each city had its own issues. You go to all the other cities that he wrote to, and every single one of them has their stuff, right? Every city has its issues, and Paul writes to those things. And when we get to the city of Corinth, they've got some issues of their own. And we're going to peer into some of that as we read just a few verses today. But before we do, I want to um, do a little... Uh, speaker audience um, connection here, and it's a little bit of a quiz if you'll let me. I just want to test you. I want to say a line from a movie, and I want you to see if you can tell me the name of the movie it existed in. And so even if you're online right now, you're watching, you can even jot your answer on the um, chat feature. So here we go. You ready? I know you're like, I don't know. I don't know about this whole speaker audience connection moment right here, but I know you really want to play, and I know you really want to be known as the person who knows the line. All right, we're going to start very low basement bottom moment right here. You ready? May the force be with you. Well done. Well done. Okay, next one. Now, this you might date yourself in terms of how, if you've seen this or not, but Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. 
All right, see, the classic people, well done. Okay, uh, another really easy one, just like a softball pitch, and I'm not even going to use an accent because I'll butcher it. I'll be back. Okay, good job, well done, Terminator, there you go. This is for some people who have a particular sports love. If you build it, he will come. See, I love what's happening. All right, finally here, this might be the most obscure of my list. You're going to need a bigger boat. Ah, well done. I'm so impressed with you. Okay, now why the movie trivia? Because that is exactly what Paul is doing when we open up this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 13. Because he starts with a quote. All right, here we go. It is written right away, the quote. He's just going to drop it. I believed semicolon. Now, I don't normally, you know, point out punctuation, but it's a semicolon. It's a really good one. There you go. I believed, therefore I have spoken, end quote, that's it. Now, if you're like me, when you first come across this, whether it's years ago or this week or even today, and it's okay to admit that, you're like, this is the first time I've ever opened up this portion. It's okay to be like, I don't even know where that quote's from. It's okay. Let it hang out there for a little bit. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, who died on the cross, right, will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And that's where our reading of the day ends. This is the section of scripture that gets assigned to us. It begins with this obscure quote of, I believed and therefore I have spoken. And Paul begins to unravel some things. He's been on a, on a bit of a high horse moment, if you will, telling the people who live in this city of Corinth that you may face persecution of all kinds. There may be things that happen to you at any moment of your life, but hold fast. Like he's, it's like this rallying cry to the people. Do not lose hope. And he says this phrase that's so fascinating to me. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's a fascinating phrase. It's a very famous portion of scripture. It gets quoted a lot. Like if there were like greeting cards at Hallmark, this is one of them that would be used. This is the statement of the day. Though though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. I feel like I'm outwardly wasting away a lot lately. 
And it's like, maybe it's just like turning that hill towards over 40. I don't know what it is. Like when January began, we all had like high hopes. Like I'm going to do my devotions. I'm not really going to, this is the year I'm going to get fit. It's going to be amazing. We have a vacation coming up. We should probably move into like vacation mode. This was back in January. So January came and went and February is like, it's not too late. We can still do this. You got this. Like vacation's still months away. It's all good. March comes along and you're like, Okay, if I'm really serious, between now and July and vacation, I can get this thing under order. Then comes April, and there's May, and now there's June, and there's like a month left until vacation. And I'm saying to myself, does it really matter? (laughs) Right? What's the point of it all? Because outwardly we're wasting away. And I wonder what it is that Paul was addressing to the people in the day. For them, it's less about vacation time. For them, it's about we live in an empire that is not friendly to the cause of Jesus Christ. They do not like the story of the cross because it tells a story of a dead man that they killed that came back to life. And everyone in that known world at the time began to rally around this idea that Jesus perhaps is exactly who he said he was all along. And Paul can't wait to get the word out. And he's going around telling everybody about it. And some of them are saying, but you know, there's going to come a day where we're going to die. And he's like, hey, hey, hold on a second. Yes, even though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly what's happening on the interior of of us is actually more important than anything else. If you back it up, go back to verse uh, 15. It says, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. May cause thanksgiving. I love that phrase because rarely am I caught causing thanksgiving. Most of the time, it's anything but. Or I'm on the verge of saying, I don't know really what's going right in the world. I am actually more focused on what's going wrong in the world. And this is where the phrase and that quote the movie quotes that I started with, we know the movies from them. We know, like, many of you remember where you were at when you watched Jaws for the first time and you heard him say, we're going to need a bigger boat. You remember when you watched Wizard of Oz and Toto realized he's not in Kansas anymore because she took him somewhere, right? Like, it's just, you realize those moments. You remember the storyline. You can probably even see the entire movie right before you right now. You remember what happens. And so when we get to the quote that Paul says, he's quoting from Psalm 116, which is a portion of the Old Testament. And for, for a Jewish person like Paul, who was really good at what he did, he knew the Old Testament really well. So if you peer back to Psalm 116, and you can read it today at, at your leisure, but there's just a few things that, that, that like, just pointed out to me. Because when he said that quote, I bet there were some people in the audience that might have understood what he was pointing at, that would have seen the entire passage, the entire chapter of that psalm right before them. Because in that psalm, we hear words like, the cords of death have entangled me, the anguish of the grave has come over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow, and there are some translations that say bitterness. And you're like, oh, that's it. You feel what Paul is talking about when he reaches out to his people in the city of Corinth in the Roman Empire, and he's trying to to rally them to hold fast to the cause of Jesus, even though the world around them seems to be against them. And there seems to be a lot of things to complain about. So what do you do with a passage like this when you're in my life? In my life, yes, I'm a pastor. Yes, I do, I do various things. 
I meet with people, whatever, I really feel like my life is I'm a collector of stories. I hear stories and I tell them. Sometimes I tell them without people's permission, like my kids. It's not going to happen today. I promise. I promised them it wouldn't happen. So, but I also hear stories and I'm, I'm experiencing things just like you do. And I'm trying to pay attention to if this is the passage of scripture that I'm in, what is it that God's pointing out to me? How is it that I see God's fingerprints in 2021, not just looking back a couple thousand years ago and say, the Bible was really great back then. I don't really know what it has to do with anything today. That's ultimately what I want to commit myself to. So on Monday of this week, actually, I guess I'll tell a story about my kids and I give them permission. Okay, so Monday... It's Memorial Day. Everyone's having a day off. Some people are like grilling. Some people are doing whatever. My wife is busy as all get out to get like the last few days of school done. So she's doing her thing. The kids and I are hungry and she's off in her classroom. She's in her zone and we probably shouldn't mess the zone up. And I'm like, what do you guys want to do? And they're like, we just want food. Like literally, that's how they said it. And I said, what if we go for like an adventure? And they're like, what does that mean? And you're like, let's go for a bike ride. So we went for this bike ride, and we rode from our house. We drove this, like, it's like green belt that goes right by this golf course, and we stopped at the golf course, and we had this magical time of appetizers because they weren't that hungry. And I just said to them, but you said you were hungry. Like, we're not really that hungry. Okay. So we sat, we ate, we had our fun time. We left. Then we went and rode through a neighborhood, said hi to some friends that we know, and then we took a long way home because they're like, let's just eke this one out, and it's getting close to bedtime, but please, mom's not home yet. Can we stay out a little bit longer? I'm like, fine. So we, we get home when it's dark. And if you're like me, I don't really like having all my kids riding a bike on a major street in the dark. So we decided, in my good parenting moment, to say, let's go on a side street. So we went by some neighborhoods. And we went through all the houses, and we're like, ah, if I take this street, I can get back to mine and whatever. So we're going through. The sun has gone down. Rachel has texted that she's on her way home, and we're like, hurry up, kids. We've got to get home before Mom finds out that we left the house. She'll get mad at us. I'm just kidding. She won't. Um, we get home. No, we're still riding. And in the distance, I can see this house, and it looks like it has Christmas lights on. And I'm like, that's cute. Like, are they still doing, like, the COVID thing? Like, let's keep the, the lights up. Like, you're getting closer, and you're like, it's not just like Christmas lights. It like says something. What does it say? I don't know. We're like riding our bikes closer. And we get, it's, like on the, it's like the overhang of the garage. It's, like, it's, it's not like, like front and center. It's like you got to be higher. So I'm imagining if you were to have a drone all the time, you could see what it would say. And you get closer, and you're like, what is it? And then there's my youngest who begins to call out the words or the letters to begin to spell what it says. And she starts the right, which is not the way you read. And I'm wondering about the school system these days. But she started from the right, and she says, S. And you're like, yeah, it is an S. And then it's like a K, and it's a C, and it's a U, and it's another S. And you're like, oh, this is not just like Christmas lights. Someone's mad about something. And you're like, well, who does suck? Like, what does it say? And then there's a name, and they can't figure it out because they don't. I'm just, so they're calling out letters, and they're like, yeah, and you keep going down. And you're like, huh. And then my oldest figures out, like, oh, it's the governor. So it's the person who had this on their thing. You're like, oh, that's it. And then so literally, like, we keep writing and go home, and my youngest is like, are people mad at the governor? You're like, eh, you know, some people are. And she's like, what do, you, what do you think about it? You're like, ah, you know, we'll talk later when you're like 30. So, um, 
just like right by it. I'm like, man, isn't that interesting that you took so much time to put lights up like Clark Griswold to really profess this frustration? And you're like this complaining mentality that we understand that Paul's talking about. Like, I'm going to complain about my body. Like, it doesn't work the way it used to. I don't know. You're really mad about things. And when we begin to add to our list of things that are going wrong, and you ride by people's houses where they call out that. And you're like, I'm not here to solve that debate. I really am not. But I'm here to point out that sometimes it's so much easier to go to the side of the table that says, here's what's wrong. So then Friday, we go to Disneyland, and Disneyland's the happiest place on earth. That's what they say, okay? Then they take away the trams. Yeah, you know exactly where I'm going. So, like, here's the deal. You park in this parking structure, and it's 18 miles from the entrance to the park. And they do not provide a tram these days because, you know, covid And so you don't get to get on this tram to ride to the front of the park and have this magical moment. They're like, no, park and walk, and it'll be fun, they said. And I'm like, really? Is this it? And so I began to feel the blood pressure begin to rise, like, ah, what's wrong with And I catch myself because I know exactly the passage of Scripture I'm in. And I'm going to the place on the side of the table that says everything's wrong in this world. And I wonder what Paul would say to me as I'm considering a long list of grievances, and we all have them, your list may look like mine, but sometimes it may not. We all have them. But what he quotes at the beginning of this portion of Scripture, when he throws back all the way to Psalm 116, like he's remembering watching the movie Jaws and Wizard of Oz and Terminator and Field of Dreams and all of that, and we see the movie in its entirety. He sees the entire chapter of that psalm and he says the temptation for us is to move towards a place of sorrow and bitterness and to call it out and instead he's calling us back into the way of jesus in the kingdom and saying consider thanksgiving instead and you're like i hate you paul because that's really hard sometimes because can't we just get together and say what's wrong and that's really what he's calling out And we're tempted to go to the place where it's all wrong in this world. And what I have figured out, because this is me, my stuff, my list is huge of what should be fixed. And I have ideas of what should be fixed. And if I let that fester, and that's really probably the better word for it, because it festers like an open sore. It begins to act like rust and cancer on my soul. If I let it sit there, when I read these words, and if, if this book has any value to any of us, hopefully it's challenging and it's prodding and it's moving us to a place towards the kingdom and towards the king versus just saying, well, it's a nice book. I'm going to believe what I want to believe and I'm just going to have my list. But there's a reason that we tell stories from scriptures that point out how bitterness is really really bad for us. And um, there are other stories that are assigned to this day, June 6, 2021, that perhaps churches and Christians all around the world will be reading. One of them goes all the way back to Genesis 3. 
And it's the moment in the story where they've sinned, right? If you go back all the way to Adam and Eve and the garden and they eat of the fruit. Was it an apple? Was it not? Nah, it wasn't mentioned. So it's just a fruit, fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And they've eaten the fruit. And then finally God shows up because, you know, they failed the test and he's going to hand out the grades. And he calls out. And what does Adam do? Do you remember? Adam says, it was the woman that you gave me. She did it. He's like backing away because like, he knows that she's going to die. He's figuring out how to do that. And he's it's like, it's that woman that you gave me. And he passes the blame so quickly. But how quickly he forgot he's the one that was receiving the wisdom and the words to say, don't eat of that fruit. But he's passing the blame so quickly when it's actually more of Adam's issue than it is hers. So let's just let that one sit there for a second. We, we pass blame really, really swiftly sometimes. There's another portion of Scripture in the book of Kings. There's actually two books of Kings, much like there's two letters to the Corinthians. You go to one of those, there's a story today that's being told of the people who were crying out to the prophet. The prophet of the day was a guy named Samuel. And back in the day, back in the day, like all the way back in the day, the people of God were led by prophets. We hear stories of like Moses, and Moses was the ultimate prophet. Like if you had his trading card, it was worth more than anybody else. It's like the Onus Wagner, it's not Babe Ruth, whatever it is. It's not like, okay, anybody else. So it's really good. Like he's the prophet. But Samuel was also a prophet that led the people, and the people were so frustrated that they didn't look like everybody else. That they demanded to Samuel, Samuel, make us a king. And he got so frustrated. And so Samuel goes to God, and God says, Hey, Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. But warn them of all the implications that come with having a king over who you are. And so Samuel says to the people, Just be careful what you want. Because if you want this king, he's going to do things that you don't like. And I wonder if there are moments for us, we like having the people like kings in, in our place because we love to complain about them. We love to just pass the buck and the thing. And we read these words of Paul, which are so needed in a time like this, because I don't know about you, like if you just like read the airwaves out there, I don't know where you find these airwaves, whether they're on your social media feed or in your inbox, there's a lot of people that are frustrated. There's a lot of people that are angry. There's a lot of things that make us mad. And I wonder if it's good for our soul or not. And if I read Paul correctly, he was warning the people about going to the side of the table that says your list of grievances is what's important. Instead, on this side of the table, it's actually Thanksgiving. It's actually the things that's what's right in this world. So I have a friend, and I learned a story this week that has really just opened my eyes. Because I don't know if you do this sometimes. You try to Facebook stalk people. Oh, is it just me? Okay, cool. If you try to find storylines out and you learn about people's stories online, you're like, I don't really know what's going on with this one. And I got this friend, I've known him for a number of years, and and instantly, like he's got this family and three kids, and, and instantly you see pictures that don't include his wife, and you're like, for months now, you're like, What's what's happening? What's going on? And so you try to Facebook stalk, but I can't find anything. Until I got to sit with a friend this week who told me the story, not in a gossip way, but I'm just trying to be like, hey, I'm going to see him this week. Look, 
do you know anything? Because I'd love to just care for him because I don't see these pictures of his wife anymore and they're not there. Like, what happened? And then I was told the story that his wife was just done being married, just left, high and dry, left the three kids, found a job, moved on. And dad, who I know better than her, is left picking up the pieces, and he's taking pictures of a daughter who graduates high school this week. He's trying to be the dad, and you're like, oh, what's, what's happening? What's the story? And I was told that the reality is that she just left. She's with someone else, and it's moved on. We know these stories, and sometimes it's not comfortable to tell them in church. You're like, I don't know what to do with that right now. But what I have seen my friend do, actually, better said, what I have seen my friend not do is take to the airways to complain. And I can't imagine how hard and how anguishing it would have been for him to go through that moment where his wife is just done and just moves and just leaves and leaves him high and dry and cares not about the kids that are graduating high school or the other ones that are still growing. I don't know the pain that he exists in, but I know full well that he doesn't put it out there to just have everybody jump in on. And something about that impresses me because something's happening on the interior of his soul that is being shaped, hopefully, towards the kingdom and not away from it, towards a place that says, I'm not just going to have my long list of things that are always wrong with this world. I'm actually going to still lean into what's good. And if I know anything about what's being good in this world, it's following, following the presence of who God is. It's not clean. It's not easy. Now, the reality of this, because some of us are like, I don't know what to do with what you're talking about, Brenton. What, what should we do from here? Because we sat like not much more than an hour and a half ago with our worship team. We go through the order of service every single morning on a Sunday like this, make sure all the cues are right. Worship team knows their stuff. And so I gave everybody a quick snapshot of where I was going. And one of the worship team members had the audacity when I asked a question. I said, does anybody have any questions? And I put her on the spot. And she asked such a brilliant question. She's like, well, can you tell me the difference between complaining and venting? And I said, that's it. Am I saying that you're supposed to just lock it all inside? Am I telling you that you're just supposed to put the happy face on, like everything's right in this world, and I just got to grit my teeth and go through it? Of course not. But there is a difference between being able to air it for freshness and to allow the wound to heal, and there's a difference between always airing it and just holding it so closely that, again, it becomes rust and cancer to our soul. There's a huge difference between the two. I'm not telling you that I do it well. Walk around with me at Disneyland where they say it's the happiest place on earth, and I've got my list. I've got my list. And I make a joke of that one because that's an easy one to make fun of. And I know some of you are like, don't you dare make fun of the mouse house. And I'm like, I know. But can we be real about it right now? There's a difference between just saying, here's my long list, and saying, hey, God, what are you doing on the inside? Because I don't want to be the type of person. I cannot say this for you. I can only say it for myself. I don't want to be the kind of person that festers in that. And it's hard. And when I read Paul's words and he challenges me 
challenges me towards thanksgiving and not places of bitterness and sorrow when he quotes Psalm 116. And he points out, like the passage right before this one, it's another famous one, and some of you have heard it, some of you have sung songs about it. Verse 8 goes, and it's not even on the screen, just listen, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. There is something interesting about our lives sometimes when we just dwell on what's wrong. And it is so hard for me. And I am trying my best to move towards the kingdom. So maybe this is just public therapy for me. Thank you for being here, and I'll pay you later. But my sense is that if I see what's out there in the world, then perhaps it's happening to more than just me. And I want to challenge us as a community here at Refuge to move towards the kingdom versus towards a place of what the world says. Because if what's happening on the inside of my heart is like rust and cancer to my soul, then bitterness is a tonic that the world would love to serve all too often. And we exist there. And when Paul speaks, he's saying, you got to move towards a better way. And it's hard and it's not clean. It's not easy. And I'm making a distinction here between just like venting, because there's a place for venting. There's a place for healthy therapy. There's a place for healthy friendships where you can air your stuff. But it's like we've all been in the presence of a person who's just bitter. We know the story of Ruth all the way back in the Old Testament when she hangs out with her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law complains, just call me Mara because my life is bitter. And you're like, you know what it tastes like to be around a person that's just bitter all the time? It's really hard. And when I read Paul's words and I open up scripture time and time again, I am challenged on the interior. Where is it that I'm living at in the reality of my soul? And if if I'm on a journey of any kind, I want to move towards a place of healthiness. And it's hard. It's not easy. And we're in this together. But let's go there together as well. Let's go towards the kingdom and see what the king can do. So pray with me. Lord, your word sometimes is cutting like a knife because everything around us is telling us a different reality, but you, through your servants and through the authors of your word, are challenging us from the inside out. You are moving us towards places of thanksgiving, and hopefully the challenge for every single one of us from here on out is may the list of what's right supersede what's wrong. Because if we sense what's right in this world, we can see your fingerprints at work. And hopefully we can limit the ways that we dwell in what's wrong, and it's hard sometimes. So God, in the hard moments, would you help us? Forgive us where we've done wrong. Forgive us where we have dwelled too long. And would you move us towards places of airing it into freshness? Because that's what I need. And I want you I want you to change me yet again on a day like today. I don't want to just live on my laurels from the past and what I've done with you then. I still want to see you today. And I want to have eyes to see you this week. So may I see you. May all of us see you. May we see your kingdom at work. And may we be changed. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, would you stand?
Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.